Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Breaking news, Celtics shooting guard Jalen Brown's agreed to the richest deal in NBA history. A five-year, $304 million Supermax extension. <laughs> All I could do right now is say he's back to bring truck up. He works hard, shows up all the time. He's a star in this league. He plays on both ends of the floor. He doesn't cheat the game. What this tells me is that Boston is saying we're putting the pedal to the metal. Also, when you look at a guy like Jalen Brown, it has to be go time. Welcome into Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Alongside Aaron Goldhammer, I'm Michelle Smallman. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. One of the big headlines in the sports world today is Jalen Brown and the Boston Celtics agreeing to the richest deal in NBA history, a five-year $304 million Supermax contract extension. We're going to talk about it now with Sports Illustrated senior writer and NBC Sports Boston NBA analyst Chris Mannix, who joins us now. Chris, thank you so much for the time. And with this deal, how much pressure is now on the Boston Celtics to win a championship? Is a championship or bust for them? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been that way for the last couple of years. And if you look back at Jalen Brown's you know, second and third years once Jason Tatum came on board. They had some runs to the conference finals, and when they came up short, you kind of dismiss it as, you know, just a young team going through what young teams typically go through. Now the Celtics have been to an NBA Finals. They were back in the conference finals last year. Jalen Brown's going to be 27 years old when the season starts next year. Jason Tatum just a couple of years behind him. Uh, you know, this team – is now with the money money these guys are getting paid and what the payroll looks like around them, it, it really is championship or bust. Chris, why did it take a couple of weeks to get this done? I was kind of surprised it didn't happen back on July 1st or July 6th or a number of weeks ago. Yeah, I think there are a few reasons for that. One is this contract was negotiated under an entirely new collective bargaining agreement. And if you remember, you know, the teams, while they had a pretty good idea of what was in the new CBA, uh, they didn't get copies of it really until the day before free agency opened, like full copies of the document. And that takes some time to digest. And then when you're dealing with a player like Jalen Brown, who is you know, really good, but not on the Jokic or Giannis or frankly, even Jason Tatum level where you just slide the max contract in front of them and really do whatever it is that player wants you to do with that contract. I think there was some negotiating there. And you saw that in some of the deal points. Jalen Brown does not have a player option on this deal. The trade kicker is a little bit lower than the typical 15% that some players get or most players get on new deals. So there was just some, some haggling. But whenever I checked in with, with people around Jalen Brown and certainly people around the Celtics, there was never any any question that any of the lingering issues were going to prevent this deal from ultimately getting completed. So it, it did take a little bit longer than than some expected, but I don't think it was ever in danger of not getting done. 
Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated senior writer, NBC Sports Boston, NBA analyst, joining us here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And Jason Tatum's eligible for a super max extension next summer. What do you anticipate happens there? That's a lot of money that's going to be uh, allotted for two players. Yeah, about $338 million, I believe, is the number right now for Jason Tatum over a long-term deal, and he's going to get it. Uh, and look, these contracts, they, they're eye-popping right now, but in two years, they're going to look a little bit better. In four years, they're going to look a lot better. Listen, it was just seven years ago that Mike Conley signed the richest contract in NBA history, and that was for, uh, for $153 million. Jason, uh, Jalen Brown just doubled that. You know, when other stars come up for long-term contracts, they're going to do better, just like Jalen Brown did better than what Nikola Jokic did in his last deal. And and if you think about it, we're, we're kind of trending towards, and I don't know what the date is going to be, who the players are going to be, but we're getting close to the million-dollar-per-game player. We're getting close to the, the day when we see players earn $82 million or more per season. So while these numbers are, are breathtaking right now, uh, it, it's probably not going to look that way when this contract is up for Jalen Brown. Yeah, I can't wait for that guy to get load managed for a week and make $4 million sitting around doing nothing. Chris Mannix, Senior Sports Illustrated writer, NBC Sports Boston with us. We've heard so many trade rumors around Jalen Brown over the years. First it was for Anthony Davis, and then he was involved in a Kevin Durant convert. Is that over now? Are you fairly confident he's going to spend this contract as a Celtic? No, I don't think you can ever be confident of that because – you know, both sides could decide they want something else at some point during the the duration of this contract. The Celtics, look, they, they believe in Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Last year was a disappointment, but they believe, you know, based on what they've seen, you know, with a year ago being in the finals, that this duo can be the core of a championship team. And they're committed at this point to building around them. But if something comes up, if something big happens, like it was with Anthony Davis when he was out there and Jalen Brown was in those rumors uh, with Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard years back, Jalen Brown was in that mix. I don't think the Celtics will just outright, you know, dismiss the possibility of, of doing future deals. And similarly, while Jalen Brown is making a strong commitment to the Celtics by signing this contract without any player options, we've seen you know, high profile examples of how contracts are irrelevant. I mean, Kevin Durant asked for a trade before ever playing a second on his new deal. Damian Lillard, I think, is still two years away from playing a minute on the new contract he signed last summer. Bradley Beal played one year on his new uh, max-level deal before negotiating a deal out of Washington. So at some point, if it's not working for either side, you know, there could be some movement there. But right now, Jalen Brown, he's making a commitment to Boston. The Celtics, at this moment, are of the belief that, that this Brown-Tatum core can win them a title. Chris, when everyone was diagnosing what went wrong for Boston in the playoffs, a lot of people pointing fingers at their head coach, Joe Mazzulla. Now, the Celtics made it clear that he's their head coach moving forward. However, if the Celtics were to fall short yet again this season of winning an NBA championship, do you think Mazzulla could be on the chopping block? How hot is his seat? I think it depends on how they lose, but I've never believed and never believed last year, and I said this and I wrote this and I talked about it a lot, I never believed that Joe Mazzulla was in any real trouble. I mean, Joe Mazzulla is the closest thing that Brad Stevens has to a protege. Brad Stevens was then hired him uh, for his first NBA coaching job. He made sure he was retained on Ime Udoka's coaching staff. 
And then he was the one that elevated him over more experienced coaches last year uh, when this team needed a head coach after Udoka's exit. So Brad Stevens is a big believer in Joe Missoula. I think what happened this offseason was that now Joe Missoula has an assistant coaching staff that is on the level of other top-level teams. I mean, last year, because of the brain drain in Boston where not just Ime Udoka left, but Will Hardy left, Damon Stoudemire left, you had some other coaches, uh, you know, lesser coaches exit that staff. It just it wasn't an elite coaching staff. This offseason, they went out and they added Charles Lee, who is a future head coach in the NBA, one of the top assistants right now, and they add Sam Cassell, who brings – a level of gravitas to that bench that they haven't really had since Walter McCarty left. That was years ago. So I think right now Joe Mazzula finally has the kind of coaches around him that you need to be a championship team. Coach, head coaches are important. Don't get me wrong. But you also need great coaches around him, and I think Joe Mazzula finally has that. Chris, the next time we see Harden and Lillard, what uniforms are they wearing? Well, as we speak in what late July at the moment – I don't see anything getting done anytime soon. You know, the offers to Portland from Miami are not acceptable. The offers that the Sixers have received for James Harden, most notably from the Clippers, are not acceptable. And my understanding is neither Joe Cronin in Portland or Daryl Morey in Philadelphia is going to do a deal that they don't, they don't believe is acceptable. They're not just going to do a deal, in other words, to – offload this problem to to not have to go to training camp with a distraction on the roster both these gms most notably in portland but daryl and philly too this is a, a a once in a generation type moment you know the blazers you only get one shot at dealing a player the caliber of damian lillard and even if there aren't offers for him right now that doesn't mean there won't be offers three months from now or six months from now and i think that's what the blazers are committed to and if you're philadelphia why would you do a deal that doesn't bring back exactly what you want. Because the worst-case scenario is that you bring back a motivated James Harden, if, if only for self-preservation, he's, he's an expiring contract, and you give yourself flexibility next summer when Harden and Tobias Harris comes off the books. So I, I think as we talk right now in late July, if, if nothing changes, it feels like both these guys will be in training camp with their respective teams. Last thing for Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated senior writer and NBC Sports Boston NBA analyst. I want to stick in Philadelphia and ask you about Joel Embiid. He was he was quoted as saying, I don't know where it's going to be in regards to him winning a championship, whether that's in Philly or anywhere else. What did you read into those comments? Do you think Embiid is opening the door to potentially leave the 76ers? Yeah, I think he opened the door. Um, and, and look, Embiid tried to walk it back on Twitter. The Sixers did some damage control on the radio. But Joel Embiid's one of the smartest players in the league. He knew exactly what he was doing and knew exactly what he was saying when he said what he said in that moment. I personally think Joel Embiid needs to have some accountability himself. Uh, They were up 3-2 on Boston at home, and they lost. And he disappeared in the final minutes of Game 6, and he disappeared in the second half of Game 7. That's on him. He's the MVP. He's got to step up in moments like that in the way that Jalen Brown stepped up in Game 7 uh, for the Celtics, the way that Jason Tatum stepped up in the closing minutes of Game 6. There's got to be some accountability there. The Sixers had a championship-level roster. Their championship-level stars, though, notably Harden and Embiid, didn't show up when they needed them the most. But if you're Philadelphia, you do have to take that as kind of a warning shot, that if this team doesn't show 
that it's on a championship level next season. Embiid, who's got, I think, three years left on his contract uh, through the 26th season, uh, he could go to Philadelphia next summer and say, look, it's not working. Deal me. And look, if you look around the NBA, teams are, are waiting for that. The Knicks are keeping their powder dry with trades because they're waiting. The Celtics, they still have a lot of draft capital they could deal. There are other teams out there that could put together an appetizing offer for Joel Embiid. So I think this is a pretty important year for Philadelphia to kind of get it together and show Joel Embiid they have uh, a longstanding title contending team. Never a lack of drama in the NBA. Be sure to follow Chris Mannix on social media at SI Chris Mannix. Chris, great information. Thanks for the time. You got it, guys. All right, Aaron. Well, with Jalen Brown getting paid, let's talk number twos in the NBA. Where does Jalen Brown, in your opinion, rank among the best number twos in the league? Well, funny you should mention this, Michelle, because... <laughs> I happened to put together what? my own personal top five list. I had no idea. Top, Amazing. The top, the top five number twos in the NBA. Uh, so let's get it rolling with number five. Number five. Number five, I have Darius Garland of the Cavs. And some might say that this is homerism with me being in Cleveland. But I really like that backcourt with him and Donovan Mitchell. And I think Garland has proven that he can take over a playoff game. I think he's proven that he's an all-star in the NBA. And I think any team would be really lucky to have him. You know what's funny? Everybody made a big deal about Zion and Ja. You know the guy I think everybody would want the most from that draft right now, given Zion's injury situation and Ja's off-the-court situation? I think it's actually the number five, number mm. two in the NBA, Darius Garland. Number four. Number four, I got Bam out of bio. I have so much respect for the Heat organization. Bam is tough. Bam is a great rebounder. Bam is also, I think, a big game player. And I think someday he not only will get to the finals, but he'll be a champion. I think he's kind of underrated because people might say, oh, who is the real number two? You know, the other guys that had big performances behind Jimmy Butler. I think it is Bam. And I think the Heat are really lucky to have him. Uh, and I think he is the number four ranked number two in the NBA. Number three. I have Jalen Brown third. Um, I do think he's a top five number two, but I don't think he's the best number two in the league. Um, what I like about him is he can be instant offense. I trust him shooting the three. I think he is an underrated and really good defensive player. What I don't like about him is I don't trust him to handle the ball in the fourth quarter of a big game at all. He's got to mm. cut down on the turnovers. There are times where you watch him where it looks like he doesn't know how to dribble, but it's good enough to be the number three ranked number two in all of basketball. <laughs> number two. Uh, the number two ranked two is going to go to Anthony Davis. Now, this was tough for me. It, some might say that LeBron's really the, but get out of here. LeBron's yeah, not, LeBron <laughs> isn't a, taking a backseat to anybody. Absolutely not. There are times where Anthony Davis plays like one of the best players in basketball in the whole league. And there are times where he just totally disappears. He's a complete enigma, but because of the potential upside of what he can be, and I do think overall he stayed healthy and was more good than bad in the playoffs this past year, leading the Lakers back to the Western Conference Finals. He takes my spot at number two on the list of number twos in the NBA. Number one. And I got Devin Booker at the top. He blew me away in that Nugget series. He had to go crazy just for the Suns to win two games in the series. And in games three and four, he shot like 90%, not from the free throw line, from the floor. He was shooting 85, 90%. 
Uh, I think he's instant offense. Obviously, he has a 70-point game on his resume in his career. Uh, but beyond that, I think he is a one of the great just give him the ball and let him go get a bucket late game guys. And I, I think he is the number two on this team because I don't think, like LeBron, I don't think Kevin Durant takes a backseat to anybody. So I've got Devin Booker of the Suns as my number one ranked number two in the league. So my top five, Darius Garland in Cleveland, Bam out of bio Miami, Jalen Brown of the Celtics, Anthony Davis of the Lakers, and Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. Michelle. Okay, 888-SAY-ESPN, this 888-729-3776. If you'd like to weigh in on Aaron Goldhammer's top five, number twos in the NBA, uh, no Jamal Murray? The Never champ made, would like a word. I, I, well, I love Jamal Murray. Never made an all-star team. Uh, and I think it's, maybe he's got to prove that he can stay healthy for more than just one year. Um, but, but he got it done. So I, I think he's on. He, well, I mean, he's got the best number one there is, and I think that guy. The Larry really O'Brien the who, would like a word. Uh, so uh, James Harden get at. I don't even know what team he plays for. So I don't know if he's a number two or a number three or a number six. To be honest, I think he just ordered a number six at a local fast food Ooh, restaurant. Oh, Aaron, Aaron, low blow there. But what if he? What if he's back in Philly with Embiid? He's not on the list. He had a good regular season in the playoffs. You can't trust James Harden to. He's three for fourteen in a game seven, guaranteed. But uh, isn't everything you're saying about Harden also applicable to Anthony Davis? Um, no, I don't know. Anthony, if Anthony, the Anthony Davis swings. Has, I believe Anthony both, Davis both has a ring him. on his finger. I know it's a bubble ring, and no one wants to give him credit. That's but true. Davis has shown up in more big games, I think, than James Harden has. Uh, I'll tell you the toughest omission. Demata Sabonis had a great year. Sacramento had a great year, and I think De'Aaron Fox is the number one on that team, so that was a really tough one for me. Uh, you know, I'm not a Carl Towns guy. I didn't consider him for one second, and get out of here with anybody who believes Kyrie Irving should be on the. For me, he's the worst number two. He is a number two, if you know what I mean. I don't oh, mean to get oh. into personal attacks, but geez, I can't take Kyrie seriously and put him on this list. These are really good players. These are some of the best players in the league that made this list. Well, the phone lines are blowing up, Aaron, with people that want to talk to you about the list. Let's go to Ryan first, who joins us from Reno. Ryan, welcome to Canteen Carlin. Hey, Ryan. Hey, how you guys doing? I'm not sure how uh, Clay Thompson didn't find that list, but uh, that's what I got to say about that. It's not seven years ago, Ryan. I mean, this is Clay Thompson off a torn Achilles. This is Clay Thompson off a torn ACL. I have a tremendous amount of respect for Clay's game. Uh, one of the Splash Brothers, one of the best shooters of all time. If you watched him this past year, he's just not the same guy anymore. Uh, another Ryan joining us, this time from Alabama. Ryan, who do you think that Aaron left off the list? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, just, I don't know how you leave off. I, I, I'm assuming it would be Paul George for the Clippers if you've got Kawhi at one. I mean, I guess because of his health, but um, I've got to have Paul George on that list somewhere. I mean, don't those guys have to play any like games together more than like five before you consider Paul George the number two when he plays Michelle it feels like he's often the number one because Kawhi is never there um so in order to qualify as a number two you have to play a lot of games as a number two which I don't think Paul George does all right let's take one more Skyler in Ohio Skyler who do you think that Aaron left off the list what's up Sky it's not so much about off the list. I got an issue with Anthony Davis. The man is nicknamed Street Clothes. Uh, well, I mean, in the playoffs this year, he was in uniform and it knocked. It helped really knock out the defending champs. 
Um, yeah, he's got health concerns. Guess what? So does everybody. It's the NBA. Everybody either gets hurt or is tired or wants to load manage. You know, so I, I, I understand that people are disappointed in the lack of Davis's consistency. He has a championship ring on his finger. He's one of the best defensive players in the league when he's healthy. To me, he was an automatic that you had to put on here. When he's healthy, though, that's a question. And like I said, the pendulum swings both ways with him. Sometimes he's the best player on the floor, no question. And then other times you're wondering where he is. Yeah. Uh, Chris Middleton, you know, I just feel like he's past his prime. He'd have been on this list two years ago, but not now. Uh, Jaron Jackson is an interesting one. But again, the, the jaw situation sort of makes that. Yeah. And he's a unique number two in the sense that, um, like, he's a dominant defensive player, but is not really like a number two scoring option which is how I sort of see the question that we were posed here. Anyway, I know it's controversial. Those are my top five. <laughs> Argue with me all day. Uh, Darius Garland, Bam Adebayo, Jalen Brown, Anthony Davis, Devin Booker. Yeah, argue with them. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. We want you to weigh in. Who's the best number two in the NBA? Do you think Aaron Goldhammer got it right? That's coming up next. Plus, Michigan's Jim Harbaugh in the news today facing a four-game suspension. We're going to talk about all of that next on Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash network. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.
Breaking news, Celtics shooting guard Jalen Brown's agreed to the richest deal in NBA history, a five-year, $304 million Supermax extension. <laughs> Back the bridge truck up. It has to be go time. Jalen Brown and the Boston Celtics agreeing to the richest deal in NBA history, a five-year, $304 million Supermax contract extension. I'm Michelle Smallman. He's Aaron Goldhammer. It's Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. And even though Jalen Brown broke the bank, Aaron Goldhammer doesn't even think he's the best number two in the NBA. He just gave his list, and the phone lines are blowing up, Aaron. People want to debate you. They want to talk about the list. So before we take some calls, and you can always call us at 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. For those who are just joining us, Aaron, can you please revisit the list? You know what? I can, and I I considered (laughs) things during the break, and I've decided not to make any changes to the list. All right, Darius Garland at number five of the Cavs. Bam Adebayo of the Heat at number four. I do have Jalen Brown third. I mean, there's some big stars in this league. I have Anthony Davis of the Lakers at two. I know that's a controversial one because of the injuries and a little bit of inconsistency. I feel like the expectation for Anthony Davis is that he plays like the MVP, which is kind of unfair. We're making a list of number twos, not of MVP candidates. And then I have Devin Booker of the Suns as a guy who is the number two on his team. I firmly believe that, but I also believe that he could win the MVP this year. I think he's that good. Well, let's take some calls of people who disagree with you. That sounds fun. Let's go first to Justin in Montana. Justin, what do you think about Aaron Goldhammer's list? Who might he have left off? What's up, Justin? I I can't believe that you took the time to revisit the list and you still kept Darius Garland over Kyrie. Personality aside, Kyrie Irving's got to be on that list. Point guard. He's just pure better basketball player than Darius Garland. As one of the best number twos or as one of the most destructive teammates in NBA history? Which which list were we making? I'm trying to figure that out. I mean, how, how many teams is he going to ruin before everybody wraps their head around who Kyrie has become? But the handle. Boy, that dude can fancy dribble. <laughs> that is for dang sure. So and no consideration of bo- putting Kyrie on the list. Was he even in consideration for you? Uh, he was not, but I okay, will say wow. something nice about Surprising. Kyrie. Can I say something nice about Kyrie? I would Uncle, love you to. Uncle Drew is not that bad. That's what you had to say? Have you seen the Uncle Drew? Yes, of course. And I got to tell you, uh, it, it is better than that Space Jam 2, I think. I would take Uncle Drew just by a nose. Man. I think it's one of the best movies starring an NBA basketball player ever made. It might be... Might be top five. If we did the top five list of movies starring NBA basketball players, it might make the list at number five or number four. Stay tuned for that list later in the show. Let's get to Chase in Boston, who also has an issue with Aaron Goldhammer's list. Aaron, you're just doing takes on takes on takes today. I love it. Chase, what do you have for Aaron? The flames coming out of the microphone. What's up, Chase? I I just got to say, I have no idea how you don't have Jamal Murray over Garland. The 2023 NBA champion over a first-round exit to the Knicks. Come on, man. Well, look, you want to give Jamal Murray all the credit for the Nuggets winning the title? And I love Jamal Murray, and I'm from Denver originally. But they kind of did have the – I think they won because of their number one guy, most of all. He's the best player in the world. So if I'm making a list of the best players in the world, the guy from the Nuggets is number one on that list. The the way I kind of look at this is, which number two would I most want to take and be my number one? And if Jamal Murray's the best player on your team, I think you're about a 25-win team. 
got and I'm not saying he's bad. I'm not saying he stinks. I'm just telling you, I don't think he could ever fit as a number one guy. Whereas I think a Devin Booker led team could be a 56 win team that's a two or three seed in their conference. True, but based on what we saw in the playoffs, I'm just surprised he wasn't on the list and Bam Adebayo was. I, I think Bam's a great player, but I don't know how you could put him in this conversation above Jamal Murray after what we saw in the playoffs. Uh, doesn't it say something? Look, and in the playoffs and in the bubble, Murray was fantastic. Um, doesn't it say something about him that he's never made an all-star team? Isn't that a little revealing? And I think he will. You know, at, at, at points in his career, and maybe we do this list. We revisit this in February, and the list is completely different. But I, I, I just think you have to look beyond the most recent playoff series that you've watched when you try to take a look at who fits where and who's best. Fit. Like, imagine if Booker was the number two to Jokic. You think that team would have won the title? Oh, geez, of course. Yeah, right. I mean, come on. <laughs> they absolutely would. Well, a guy whose name is always tied with the word playoff, not the NBA playoffs, but the college football playoff, is Jim Harbaugh. And there's some news today around Jim Harbaugh. So the Mich- Michigan head football coach and the NCAA are in discussions, Aaron, about a so-called negotiated resolution for a four-game suspension in the 2023 season. This oh. is tied to an NCAA recruiting investigation into Michigan. Harbaugh is facing a level one violation, which is the most serious kind in the NCAA's purview for not cooperating with NCAA enforcement. Now, this goes back to uh, the bubble or excuse me, COVID times when there were restrictions and uh, in recruiting and he violated them uh, during the dead period. And the initial investigation into Michigan concluded four level two violations, which are less significant in scope. So what it, what was your thought when you heard that Harbaugh facing a four game suspension? I don't want to hear any Michigan fan tell me that this isn't that big of a deal because of the nature of the violations. That's not the problem, Michelle. The problem is the lying, right? It's not that Jim Trussell let his players get free tattoos. The problem was that he then in turn lied to the NCAA about it. So it's it's the lying that's the issue. It's the dishonesty that's the issue. Beyond that, suspending him for a bunch of games against East Carolina and UNLV. Is this a suspension or is it a vacation? Because I think actually he just gets to extend his summer break a little bit. And I I don't know that this is really even punishment. You want to suspend him for four games, suspend him for Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State, and the college football playoff. Don't suspend him for East Carolina and Rutgers. That's ridiculous. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, and Rutgers. Those are the first four home contests, and that's what Jim Harbaugh would have to do. How are they going to do it against Bowling Green without Harbaugh's brain (laughs) on the bench? I mean, I really wonder, what plays are they going to call? What are they going to do? Are they going to go for it on fourth down? I'll say this about Harbaugh. He has beaten Ohio State, which means he can get away with virtually anything in Ann Arbor. Uh, I don't think they really want to punish him beyond this. But I, I do think that he's kind of sick of college football. You think and so? I, I, I think that he is going to be coaching in the NFL next season. I think that this is his last year at Michigan. For this year, just based on recent successes, Jim Harbaugh is the best coach in the conference. They've beaten Ohio State two years in a row. They've been very consistent. And they've been to the playoff two years in a row. So I would take Jim Harbaugh number one as the best coach in the conference and one of the five best coaches in the country just if I'm looking at football. I think he's a really strange dude. And I, 
Michelle, explain this to me. Why did he feel the need to lie about this? The 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 infractions weren't even that big of a deal. Like what what the hubris to just walk in and say, "Yeah, I'm just going to totally lie." <laughs> yeah, about about the recruiting dead period during COVID. You know, yeah, it, you're yeah. right. But I just I don't know Jim Harbaugh personally, but I think a lot of these head coaches. Aaron, they just feel like they're above the rules sometimes or they don't think that certain things apply to them. Mm-hmm. And I think that this might be more of an embarrassment for Jim Harbaugh than an actual punishment levied by the NCAA because you're right. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers, Michigan's the prohibited favorite in all of those games. They will likely win all of those games, no problem, without 20- Jim Harbaugh on the sideline. This is more about embarrassing him publicly. But I don't I mean, all those games are going to be on Big Ten Network at like 11 o'clock in the morning. Like, are they, like, I don't even know how embarrassing it really is for Urban Meyer. That's really, you know, the suspension that he faced was a big blow to his ego and also to his reputation. I don't know that anybody is saying that this is a major blow to the way Harbaugh is 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 perceived and viewed. Oh, I I think collectively it'll just be a footnote, but this is the guy that wears khakis and drinks the milk and presents himself as one of these wholesome guys. So for him to be caught publicly, um, you know, with the suspension, with the lying, I think it does take a little bit of an Does the replacement coach have to wear the khakis also? I say yes. Oh, I say yes, too. Why not? If you're going to fill the shoes, you have to fill the khakis as well. You know what I mean? He's Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next here on Canteen Carlin, it's our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days. We're going to talk about the Arizona Cardinals. Is Kyler Murray still a franchise quarterback? We'll talk about it next here on ESPN Radio. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Hey, let's go do our job, man. NFL Nation Two-A-Days. Time is here! On ESPN Radio. The Arizona Cardinals. 158! Go! Josh Weinfeld, the Arizona Cardinals. As the Cardinals begin training camp this week, the biggest storyline, without a doubt, will be the status of quarterback Kyler Murray. 
out since December with a torn ACL, Murray has been fiercely rehabbing his right knee, but there isn't a time frame for his return. Head coach Jonathan Gannon has said Murray won't play until he's physically and mentally ready, which means Murray's every move will be watched at camp. Every time he steps on the field, every time he jogs, and every time he throws will be broken down and dissected in an effort to glean any tidbit of information about his status for the 2023 season. Countdown to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio. We do continue our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days with the Arizona Cardinals and ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Michelle Smallman. He's Aaron Goldhammer. And Aaron, when we look at the Arizona Cardinals, we've been asking this question for all of these teams. What does success look like this year? For the Arizona Cardinals, what is it to you? Is it win totals? Is it Kyler Murray returning and looking like he could be the guy? Is it them being in a draft position to draft Caleb Williams? What do you think success will be for the Cardinals this season? About 2-15. and 15. Okay. Maybe you get rid of Jonathan Gannon because he just seems like a weird dude. What, what, what? We, we, what? we need to spend some time on that. And then, um, and then, yeah, I mean, I think drafting Caleb Williams would be amazing for their franchise. Let's let's start with Kyler because I feel like he was, you know, a couple of years ago they started seven and zero. He was one of the hottest things in all of football, and yeah. then I think the success Michelle went to his head. And when people start questioning your work ethic and there are clauses in contracts uh-huh. about the amount of video games you play, and I just think the relationship is soured so much that I'm not sure Kyler Murray really ever plays another game, to be honest with you, for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I'm wondering. We still don't know the timeline. We don't know when he's expected to return from that ACL injury. And I'm wondering if he's going to play the entire season, even if yeah. he's ready. You know, I don't why, know if it's beneficial it? for him. Yeah. yeah, why Why risk it? And if I'm the Arizona Cardinals and what is, for all intents and purposes, a transitional season, I don't care about wins. I want to get through the season implementing my culture and implementing my scheme with this new regime. And I'm hoping that we're in a position to take Caleb Williams at the end of it all. And agreed. Talk about revitalizing a franchise. You're in if Kyler doesn't play, you know, he's in a better position moving forward with another team. To me, that's what success looks like. If at the end of this, you have some hope for the future and that hope comes in the, the package of Caleb Williams. I think that's successful. So I think they're the least talented team in the league. So I think they should finish with the worst record. The problem with that is if you finish with the second worst record, the outlook looks totally different. I don't know who the second. Are you taking Drake May and feeling the same way as you did about Caleb Williams? The other thing is that the coaching hire to me is a really curious one. Did you see the videos of Jonathan Gannon meeting his players at the start of the offseason at the Cardinals facility and he was making weird no- going. He was going like, "Oh, good to see you! Pew, 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 pew! You're all over the field!" Like he was almost like a fan meeting them. Like I don't know, Gannon. Like say hi. Like these are people. Yeah. Like, why do you feel the need to play to some camera or something? There we go. There we go. So I'm giving him a little bit of runway because we all thought Dan Campbell was putting it on, and you know he's talking about biting kneecaps. He's drinking the what is it, the Trenta Express. I mean, the coffee order is ridiculous. We all thought Dan Campbell was kind of the same way. And now we all love him. We think that he's great. And look where he has the line. So I would give him a little bit more runway. And by the way, uh, according to ESPN's matchup,
matchup pr- predictor, Aaron, the Cardinals are an underdog in every single game they're going to play this season. Nah, I don't think they'll go winless, but they are going to be bad. And thus endeth our Arizona Cardinals conversation <laughs> for the year on ESPN Radio. And that and that's talking Arizona Cardinals. He's <laughs> he's Aaron Goldhammer. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Canty and Carlin, did Saquon get played by the Giants? We'll talk about it next on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.